Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon called Bold Hope, which takes a look at how hope is bold because God's future is bold. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. pictures. I love the celebration of that. As you've heard today, we are talking about bold hope. We've been talking about the people of hope and, and what it means to be the people of hope and how they pray and how they learn, how they gather, how they serve, uh, it, all those different pieces of that. And today we're talking about the aspect of hope that has to do with being bold. So here's the question. Are you bold? Sometimes, maybe, if I had to answer, sometimes bold. Sometimes we think of bold as like this. It's that big flashy moment. It's that big statement that you make. But isn't it also bold sometimes in the midst of our own quiet, in the midst of our own resolve? Sometimes it means we start on a new venture. That's a bold thing. Sometimes it means that we stay right where we are and push on through. That's bold. Sometimes, sometimes we put on capes. (laughs) On a dare. I'm sure no one will pass this on. So yeah, sometimes it means taking a chance, right? But sometimes that chance, sometimes that chance has to do with the part that just unsettles us. Because it's not always something physical like this, but it is always, my experience is it is always working without a net. Whether it is something internal or external. Somewhere, if I'm going to take this next step, it's going to threaten my body my self-esteem, my pride, my security, my comfort. Are you a bold person? When was the last time you did something bold? Bold moments, big and small, are those self-defining moments, those moments that where you somehow believe you're at a crossroads. And your future is at stake. The future of who you are and who you are becoming. It is the unfinished work of you. So in our passage this morning, when our passage says that because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. It begs the question, so what's the, diff- what's the connection between boldness and hope? I don't know about you, but I'd have to say my best moments, the moments that I'm most proud of, the moments that I had the fewest regrets about, is the moments of boldness. This, this latest one may be the exception to that rule, but generally, generally, 
Those are the moments that I look back and I'm glad I did that because there was something on the other side. It had something to do with my future. Hope has to do with our future. And boldness says, I'm going to do something because this has to do with who I am stepping into, who I am becoming. How do you know? You know, sometimes it means taking on a new job is a bold move. Or staying with the one you've got. Buying a new home. It's a bold move when you walk into a 12-step program for the first time, isn't it? It's a bold move when you decide because of what the test came back at that you decide you're going to try an experimental therapy. Is it any less bold when you decide to stop and say that's enough? We think of bold as being doing something that is strong, but isn't it just as bold, maybe even more so, to become vulnerable? To say, I love you, when you're not sure what the answer will be back. To say, I'm sorry. There is an inner mechanism around boldness, and it has to do with who we are becoming and how we see ourselves and taking that next step into it. It has to do with bold things require great hope. I don't think we would dare dare to take a bold move unless we could see ourselves. We wouldn't take that job unless we could see the possibility of what it might be on the other side of that job. We wouldn't buy that home unless we could somehow imagine ourselves into the future of that place and what life would look like. There is something about great hope. So people of hope dare greatly because their courage is grounded in hope. And there's so many examples of that. This last week, we, we were told in the news about William the Clerk who passed away. He was the, uh, the president and prime minister of South Africa who shared the Nobel Peace Prize with Nelson Mandela. The third person in that mix was a guy, whoops, well, was a guy named Desmond Tutu. My favorite story of Desmond Tutu, who, who was in the midst of this, it was a no-win situation, so he's, he's leading a protest of thousands of people at the peril of his own life and safety, boldly going and protesting against the government at a stoppage of work, and, and he was at the front of it. And at the same time, he notices that in the crowd, the crowd has found somebody who they think is an informer, and now the crowd has turned on that informer, and now the crowd is trying to kill this person. And it's, it's Tutu who, gets, who comes from there, throws himself in the middle of that riot and stands between the angry crowd and this person and admonishes people to stop. And it's the only thing that saves this person's life. And it was at the threat of his own. And afterwards, when the reporter asked him, what caused you to do that? You have no friends. You have no friends in the government. You have no friends in the crowd. You are standing alone in that. What caused you to do that? And his famous response was, I am a prisoner of hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. There is something about what I think God is doing that causes me to, to, to be bold here and to be bold there. It is something because of the future of who I see myself to be and who God is creating us to be. I'm a prisoner of hope. I couldn't do anything else. 
That's a bold move. Confidence, confidence in the future is built on that experience of our past where we have been in those places <clears throat> and we've experienced God's presence. That's what gives us the boldness. It's the path that brought us to this place that gives us the courage to take the next step. It's the confidence, it's the faith that the God who brought me this far didn't bring me this far just to drop me now. So I'll take the next step. And we build on that road. The Bible's full of people who are bold. Moses is a bold person. I'm going to read a piece of scripture in a moment about him, but here's the story. Exodus 34, if you want to read the whole thing. Exodus, Moses goes up to the mountain. Moses has this amazing experience with God. Moses has this, this place where he is absolutely connected to God in such a way that when he comes down, his whole life has changed. His face has changed. He's glowing. He's glowing to the point that people are afraid of him. It's a funny story. And the solution is, is he puts on a veil. He puts on a veil for the sake of the other people so they are not afraid of him. And the only time he takes off the veil is to go back up to the mountain, talk with God, and he comes down. And because, but people knew the guy with the veil is the guy who talks to God. Moses is the veiled guy. He's the God guy. And, and the fact that there is a guy in their presence with his veil becomes the source of great hope for them. Here's, here's evidence that God is in our midst. Moses, whose face is glowing, has to put this veil on. And that becomes the place of courage for the next step and the next step and the next step for the years that are ahead of them. So here's my question to you. What are the places, if I were to ask you, what are the places in your life where you've had that, that presence, where that, that presence has been so tangible, it's been so real, it has been so palpable, big and small, that, that when you are trying to make a decision, you find yourself going back to those moments. Sometimes it's a church. Sometimes it's a special place in church or a special service. Easter is one of those for people. Christmas Eve is another one. It's that feeling that you have. Sometimes it's outside the building. Amazing how many times it's outside the building, of course. The fall weather, you come out in the, in the Christmas in the air and you see the snow on the mountains and there is something that just wells up out of you and goes, I'm a part of something bigger. I get to see this. Times with family. Certain music. Certain hymns. Certain places, maybe you went to a camp one time and there was this experience and that's the experience that somehow it has marked you and it has shaped you so that you're able to go on. It says, because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Before we talk about the things that get in the way of that, let's stop for a moment and just pause for what are those things that give us hope? Hope. What are those experiences of God's presence? What are the things that ground us? What are the things that encourage us? This is going to be a very personal answer. We're going to play some music and just create a space for you to find and locate that place in your life. Where is that place where there is singing that can't be stopped? Where is that place for you?
There is a still place of inner quiet where the sacred song lives. A place of peace where amidst the confusion, hurt, and loss, the melody cannot be silenced. My life goes on in endless song above earth's lamentations. I hear the rhythm far off hymn that hails a new creation. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear its music ringing, it sounds an echo in my soul. How can I keep from singing? While though the tempest loudly roars, I hear the truth it liveth, and though the darkness round me Songs in the night it giveth. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to the rock I'm clinging. Since love reigns over heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? There is a still place where hope is magnified and resounds where joy echoes with the divine, and from this place of holy love, we sing. Because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. I don't know what images you came up with, what were those places, those experiences, but to the degree that you were able to locate that is the degree I believe that you were more likely to be bold the next time 
that there is that opportunity. The passage is just part of a larger one, and it goes on because we were talking about Moses, but here's the curious thing in this passage. Because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses. I told you the first story out of Exodus so I could read this, because what Paul is doing is, is, as he's writing this, he's riffing off a story, and he's throwing a U-turn in the middle of it. Because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses, he says, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. So here's the story. Moses has this veil, right? He's the God guy. He goes up. He has this experience, and people, people take great hope and comfort in the fact that he comes down and he has this veil because that means he's, he's glowing. He's got, he's got that Shekinah glory of God all over him, and he's doing that for our benefit. What they don't notice, because he keeps the veil on, <clears throat> is that long after that glow stops, he's still wearing the veil. He's still wearing the veil because there's that part that doesn't want to have to admit that there's really nothing else going on. That that, that closeness, that place where he had connected with God isn't there anymore. And so he wears this veil, as it says, not in order to protect the people, but to keep them from understanding what's going on. This place that had become a sign of the experience of God's presence now had become a substitute for it. The object of hope, this veil, now becomes the obstacle. As this passage goes on, it says, this idea is what's keeping my own people. He talks about the Jews. He just should be talking about all religious people. It's what's keeping them from moving ahead. It's because they have confused this idea of this presence of God with this thing, this object, this artifact, this place, with the actual presence itself. It has become the obstacle to what God is trying to do. Listen, this is some obscure little story in the Bible, but I think it is so relevant for, for where we are today, maybe in your life today. Here's the question. You may have had this question. Why are religious people seem to be so often three steps behind what God wants to do? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Even as there are people of great faith, like the Desmond Tutus of the world, who stand out there and put their life on the line, are incredibly bold. How, there's, there was a whole other church structure behind them that was sitting on their hands because they didn't want to get involved. The same could be true in the American church. How many times... we? We applaud the idea. We applaud civil rights. How many places in the American church in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even today, are like three steps behind what we say? That's this idea of equality and diversity. It's good. So, so how come we're behind? How come the church sometimes is so far behind when it comes to science? How come it's so far behind when it comes to civil rights and human rights and medicine and education? Here's why I think one reason is because the church, that institutional thing, does the same thing. We equate the past experience that we have had with God, which is true, as being the settled place where we have to find God from now on. 
that God, we reference our experience with God from what happened in the past. And now it's settled. And so if we're going to, if we're going to be close to God, that means we go backwards. We go back to that place. We go back to that camp. We go back to that sanctuary. We go back to that hymn. We go back to that tradition because that's, that's where it used to be safe. That's where I used to experience God. And it's not that it's not true, but it's woefully incomplete. How many times have you found yourself in a conversation like I have over the years, many times, of someone who's saying, you know what, I just feel like I need to get back with God. I get that. But my ears go up anymore because what I sometimes hear isn't just, it's me that needs to somehow kind of reorient myself, but it's I have to get back to that place where it felt like it used to feel. In which case, what we've done is we've fallen in love with the veil. So much so that we don't recognize that God is not asking us to go backwards, but calling us forward. It's C.S. Lewis who has that famous saying about prayer, about the one prayer that God never answers. Encore. Do it again. Do it just... Do this Christmas like you did last Christmas or the Christmas 10 years ago. Do this Thanksgiving the way it used to feel like 20 years ago. Do church like it used to feel 50 years ago. Encore. That was really amazing, God. Do that again. As long as we hang on to that request, we're always going to be disappointed because hope, God's com- God comforts and assures in those times of suffering but God is already ahead of what God is trying to do. And that's what the hope does. Hope is, hope is the future of God, and it's giving an invitation. And sometimes we have that experience in our past that we build from. Hope, comfort, assurance. But we never dare stay there. Because what, that same God is also the one who's giving the protest to all the causes of that suffering. We draw from the past. We don't stay there because God isn't done yet. Thank God, God isn't done yet, right? I mean, thank God that, that we're not done, that this isn't settled anymore, that God is still on the move. And, and the God who brings peace is also the God who just pesters us. When I say that hope is an invitation from the future, sometimes we do experience it as assurance and comfort, but sometimes we experience it as just this agitation. Sometimes that, that invitation to the hope is, is like that kid who will just never stop. Come on, come on, come on. Can, I, can we do this? Can you come? Are you going to come? Are you going to come? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And after a while you go, what? What if, that isn't, what if that's God's hope? Saying, come on, you're not going to believe what's over here. Come on, you got to go, you got to go. And while we are so sometimes as religious people fixated on the past, we miss what God is trying to pester us into. Sometimes we'd rather enshrine those moments, then use them as encouragement so that we can now take our next step. Now, the good news is not only is that God's not done yet, is that we don't have to manufacture hope. If you get out of this today, I need to be more bold. You only have it half right. We don't need to be more bold. We need to be more attentive to the God who's bold, 
who's trying to do bold things in our midst. We need to find ways with, through our prayer, our gathering, our learning, our serving, that we open ourselves up to what God is trying to do next. And if we're attentive and responsive, we don't have to worry about being bold. We will be bold. As long as we are stepping and being a part of what God is doing, we will be plenty bold. <clears throat> the great call is not to go back, it's to catch up. And the rest kind of takes care of itself. Hope is a thing that helps us keep the main thing the main thing. Hope is the unfulfilled present coaxing us into what the main thing of God is. And it's uncomfortable. And it feels like we're working without a net. And it might be the big stuff that everybody sees. Or it might be the prayer that nobody else sees except you. It might be the inner struggle inside that nobody knows about except you. And it doesn't make it any less valid. Maybe even more so. It is the unfulfilled present of our self. And knowing that what that means is in this decision, whether anybody else sees it or not, that somehow your future is tied and who you're becoming is tied to what you are going to do next. And when it comes to our world, it has to do with what the world is becoming and how we are going to participate. Because we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. Sometimes that means we open ourselves up to that unfulfilled present in our world, to the places on the margin, to the places where it feels God forsaken. Because we have learned through the life, the death, and the resurrection of God that, that God is in the God-forsaken places. And there is no place that is God-forsaken where God isn't there. And if even the God-forsaken places aren't God-forsaken, where can't we go? So we step into those places to kind of catch what God might be wanting to do next. I don't know what that place is for you. But I do believe there is a place, there is a next step for each one of us. I truly believe that every one of us, and if we will pause and look and be honest, we already kind of know it. We already kind of know what that place is that we're going to be with that doesn't have a net. And while there's lots of reasons why we shouldn't take that step, the one compelling one is, is because who we're supposed to be is on the other side of that step. Because it's not the places we have been, it's the presence of God that was in that place, that's in the future, and is here right now. And that, that presence is the source of the song that has no end. The source of the song of hope. Waiting. For others to join in. Would you pray with me? If we have sat on the side for too long, if there is something that is restless within us today, if some of this feels like it's got our name on it, oh God, by, our, by your grace, by your mercy, don't let us just put it aside. Pester us, bother us, agitate, 
Help us to see that as a sign of your grace and the sign that you're not done with us yet either. That we can catch afresh who it is that you are, what it is that you're doing, and then as we participate, we get to become the people you created us to be in the first place. It is through Christ that we pray. It is in Christ that we take our next step. Amen. As we, um, as we come to the end of a worship service, oops, we'll get there. As we come to the end of a worship service, the question is, so what is your next step going to be? If something had your name on it, pay attention to that. If something's calling you, pay attention to that. If there is comfort that is waiting for you, pay attention to that. If there's agitation, pay attention to that. That together we might become the people of hope. Whatever it is, it's going to have something to do, that next step, with God's love. So go. Go and love this week. Unreservedly. Daringly. Love God with everything you've got, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, may you abound with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit now and forever. All God's people said, amen. amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.